Paul tells the church at Ephesus. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Now, this is, excuse me, I didn't tell you. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, think about, think about your life. Think about the things you say. Think about the things you think about. Think about the decisions you make. Think about the way you talk to people. Think about the stuff you do. He says in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Can I get a witness in the house today? Ain't a whole lot changed in 2,000 years, has it? The days are still evil. He says in verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Oh, Pastor Drew, what is, are we talking about alcohol today? No, we're talking about the Holy Spirit today. If you want me to talk about alcohol, I can. Some of y'all get real uncomfortable real fast, but that's okay. I might just throw a little bit in there later. We'll see. Now go to Galatians. Go to Galatians chapter 5. It's just a book back, just a few pages in your Bible. Just one verse, because we're still talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, we first have to be filled with the Spirit. This is what, it, what Paul says to the church of Galatia. Just verse 22. That's all we're going to... Verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, say them with me, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would bless it and use it to minister to us, to change us. And Lord, that we would leave this place filled, not even to the brim, but Lord, that our cup would overflow with your spirit and all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Can we give the Lord praise in the house today? You can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you, Don. Appreciate you, brother. Aren't you so thankful for our incredible worship team? Yeah. Amen. So to, to introduce this message, I want to talk about some theology. Uh, that, that Just to, to lay a foundation. I don't want to preach on this topic, but I need to, to, to read a few things and to say a few things so that we understand who the person of the Holy Spirit is. And so to do that, we've got to talk about the Trinity. Right? We've got to talk about the Trinity. So we're going a little bit of theology here this morning. Trinity is defined as one God eternally existing as three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All three are eternal. All three are God. All three are distinct. And all three are one. As a Christian, though, I need you to understand, you don't believe in three gods. You believe in one God. Who, and so... Uh, we believe that God the Father is God. We believe God the Son Jesus is God. And we believe God the Holy Spirit is God. No one is greater. No one is lesser, okay? 
if you want to have a deep conversation about this, I'll, I'll entertain that. Someday, maybe one day we'll do some foundational doctrines of the church and we can go into this a little more uh, deeply. That's not my goal today, but it's important that you understand that the Holy Spirit is God. A lot of churches in our world, not just today, but since the beginning of the church, have, have had a lot of focus on God the Father and then God the Son, but tend to forget God the Holy Spirit. And that is not something that we want to do at LifeHouse because uh, if God the Father, and this is a bad uh, way to say this, but it's the best way I can say this. This isn't a good theological statement, but this makes sense in my mind. If God the Father is over us, then God the Son came to be with us. Remember, His name was Emmanuel, God with us. And then God the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. All right, you guys okay? Uh, and so in the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, we see the Father speaking from heaven, the Spirit descending from heaven and... and, and metaphors to explain the Trinity because at the end of the day we can explain the doctrine of the Trinity but we can't explain the Trinity does that make sense we can talk about the doctrine but we we can't we can't explain or fully understand the Trinity and again like I want to tell you that my, my goal today is not to preach on the Trinity but rather to help us embrace God the Holy Spirit who desires to fill us to live in us and who wants to live through us raise your hand if you're okay this morning all right the rest of you, hopefully you'll get on board in a little bit. A few scriptures to help you understand this and to see this. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 5, he says, But now I am going to him. Who is him? The Father. Who sent me? Who is me? Jesus, right? And none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, I'm leaving. And sorrow is filling their heart. Verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I'll tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like, can we, just, can we just camp on that thought for just a moment? That Jesus is telling his disciples, me walking with you for three and a half years has been great. And as badly as you want me to stay, because I love you, I'm going to leave you. Because you're going to be better off without me. Now, how many of you, you know, using your rational, logical mind would say, if you could choose between having what you have now, which is access to the Holy Spirit living in you, or Jesus walking with you everywhere you go all the time throughout the day, I think most of us in our rational, logical mind would say, um, give me Jesus, right? Give me Jesus. But Jesus is telling his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper, who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. He will not come to you, but if I go, I'm going to send him. He says in John 14, we go back a couple of chapters. He says in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Who's the helper? To be with you forever. And man, don't get me started on this, but there's, and I, and I love these people. They are brothers and sisters in Christ, but man, they are so wrong about this who believe that when the apostles died, apparently the Holy Spirit did too. And that the gifts of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit and the miracles that can come through them through the ministry of the Holy Spirit died with them. But Jesus himself says, he will be with you forever. 
He says in verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him. And, and this is also important. It, the Holy Spirit's not an it. He, he is a person. He isn't a thing. He's a person promised to each one who has put their faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he says, they, the world uh, can't receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And Jesus says, you know him. And this is important that you see this. This is, I'm, I'm teaching like, like, this is like junior year Bible college stuff right here, okay? He says, he dwells with you. How does he dwell with him? Well, you've got to do that. You've got to go all the way back to Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus is coming up out of the water and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. It wasn't a dove. Understand that. Matthew, and it wasn't like the Holy Spirit's not a dove. He's represented by a dove often in Scripture, but in his likeness was appearing like a dove, descended and rested on Jesus. And unlike so many people in the Old Testament past where the Holy Spirit would descend on someone but then leave them like it did King Saul is a great example. With Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended and made his home in his life. Now, if you want to go, if, I, if you really want to blow your mind, let me tell you this. <laughs> Uh, it's something that you need to understand is when we, when we read all the stuff that Jesus did, it is tempting for us to assume that Jesus did all that Jesus did as the Son of God. But we know, according to many places in the Scripture, uh, not least of which would be what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus gave up his divinity. Uh, now, this, and I, I mean, I could unpack this, and it would just... It's hard to wrap our minds around this, but he, he made himself in the form of a man, taking on humanity. So it's important that you understand that all that Jesus did, he did not do as the Son of God. Now, I know this is, to some of you, this may seem heretical, but you go read your Bible, and you come back to me, and we'll argue it out, okay? And, and I'll win, because I know that, that, that I'm right. Jesus did all that he did, not as the Son of God, but as a man fully filled with the Spirit of God. That's why we, when we see shirts and bracelets that say, what would Jesus do? We can do what Jesus did because the same Spirit, come on, Paul says, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. All right. And so, um, um, okay, all right, all right, I, I want to I teach this, all right. So when Jesus says he dwells with you now, he's referring to the fact that he has received the Holy Spirit. And he will soon be in you. Because you're going to, in Acts chapter 2, when we fast forward to the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell and, and he descended on them in the form of a dove and, and, and tongues of fire, and they spoke in other tongues that, that they didn't know, right, or spoke in other languages they didn't know, that's what Jesus is foreshadowing. That day is going to come, really, because this is near the end of Jesus' earthly life. Really, in just a couple of months, what he's talking about is going to happen. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit didn't die when John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos finally died, right? I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit didn't die in, you know, in the first century or the second century, but the Holy Spirit is alive and well today. And He wants to fill you, He wants to live in you, and He wants to live through you. So if we're going to talk about producing the fruit of the Spirit, first and foremost, we have to be men and women of God who have received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, and, I, and I, again, I'm just full of controversial thoughts today. To some of you, this won't be controversial. To some of you, this will be incredibly controversial. But can I tell you that the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with tongues or even gifts 
nothing. Now, those may be evidences, but, but, but the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, is so that you will receive power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we need the Holy Spirit so that we can do, not, not just so that we can feel passionate for the Lord, not just so we can speak in tongues, not even so that we can just produce the fruit of the Spirit, but so that we can accomplish the mission. We call it the great co-mission. It's a co-mission because I'm part of the mission. The Holy Spirit in me is part of the mission. It's a, it's a collaborative work where the Holy Spirit works in me and through me to preach the gospel to all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, you guys good now? That was my introduction. Here's the second part of my introduction. <laughs> Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and this is, you know, we read from Ephesians and Galatians, and uh, Ephesians was written after Galatians. It's funny, but in your Bible, Galatians comes first because the Bible is not in chronological order. Sorry. Um, he writes to these people who have little to no concept of the God of Israel. They don't have any Old Testament background. right? They're not Jews. They're Greeks. They're Gentiles. But they have, come, they have become followers of Jesus through the preaching of the gospel. And so Paul, instead of using a lot of Old Testament examples, um, because they would have no frame of reference for that, he uses cultural examples and cultural references to help people understand God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is teaching us that if the Holy Spirit lives in you, there should be fruit or evidence is another word that we would use to prove it. And he uses wine, he uses being drunk, which is funny. Let's just be honest about it. It's kind of a funny metaphor and illustration, but he uses that to describe comparatively what it is like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so why does he use that? For one, it's, a, it's actually a great example. But for two, he knows that the Ephesians are a bunch of drunk heathens and he knows they'll get it. <laughs> right? He knows they'll understand this. And so, um, you don't have to raise your hand. but you can, I mean, you can if you want to. Uh, but like, anybody in the room been drunk before? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I got to clear my throat. That made me laugh. Okay. Some of y'all are like, Yeah! Feeling it right now, Pastor Drew. You thought this was coffee. Um, but Shekiah, can I, can I see that right there? That, that, no, that's, is that a Stanley Cup? It's a knockoff. Yeah, good deal. What's in here? Sure, sure, sure. I'm not going to drink out of it. Oh, so I can drink out of it? I'm not going to. I love you, but I don't drink after people, okay? Um, my wife knows that. Uh, my kids will be in the truck together, and I'll have a bottle of water, and they'll say, I'm so thirsty. I'm like, too bad. <laughs> too bad. I saw where you put that mouth. And Anyway, so this, uh, this, this Stanley Cup knockoff, mayhem, mayhem, mayhem. We'll go with mayhem. That's not what it says. If... <laughs> I promise I'm going somewhere with this. If this was filled with, I mean, it might be actually vodka. I mean, it's a clear liquid. <laughs> if this was filled with, with vodka, if it was filled with uh, wine, if it was filled with whiskey, uh, Zima, um, 
Maybe not Zima. wouldn't work. Probably wouldn't need a little more than that. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all need to go back to the 90s. Um, if I drank every bit of this, if I drank every drop of this, how many of you understand that if this was an alcoholic beverage and I drank all of it, especially since it's been a long, long time since I've had any alcohol, um, if I were to drink all of it, that it would change my behavior? Right? Some of y'all would like to see that, right? Yeah. Did you hear the joke about... Never mind. There would be evidence of inebriation, right? It would change the way I think, right? It would, it would change the way I talk. I mean, like, my speech would probably begin to slur. I might say some words that I wouldn't normally say, at least not on purpose, right? Um, uh, it would change the way I walk. Like, you know, I, I, my steps would become a little more calculated. I, those steps would look very different as I, if I tried to walk down them. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of hamming this up, having a little fun with it, and I hope you're okay with that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way. But this is the illustration Paul is using in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Uh, this would change the way I think. It would change the way I talk. It would change the way I walk. It would, it would change the way I act, right? Uh, my, my, I, you know, for some people, if, when they drink alcohol, they, they treat people differently. Sometimes people get angry when they drink. Sometimes people get flirty when they drink, right? You know, everybody looks cute all of a sudden, right? Uh, I, you know, you might get sad. Uh, you might get brave. You know, that's one of the reasons why they call this liquid courage. This being the illustration. Here you go, Shakaya. Thank you very much for loaning me your whatever that is. Water. <laughs> Water. And so this is why Paul says, go back to Ephesians 5 verse 18. He says, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. The New, the New Living Translation says, don't get drunk with wine because, and I love it, because of how clear it is, because that will ruin your life. And if you've lived with, grown up with, or have ever dealt with alcoholism, you know that's true. Yeah. It will ruin your life. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, a lot of times I get questions about alcohol, and people ask me, is it a sin to drink? Is it a sin to drink alcohol? And and I'm not going to go a lot into that, but I, I do want to say a few things. And this is not necessarily relevant to the message, but I, people are asking these questions. So instead of ignoring it, let me just go ahead and answer it. First of all, the alcohol that we have today versus the alcohol they had then is very different. You need to understand that. Culturally, it's very different. The, the alcohol content in an average alcoholic beverage today is five to ten times greater than it would have been then. Uh, you had babies growing up drinking wine all the time. Right, So there was a tolerance built up there. The alcoholic content was much less. And so, uh, but is it a sin to drink alcohol? I can't find it anywhere in the Bible where it says it is sinful to drink alcohol. But, but, everybody say but. I'll tell you this. I've never seen anything good come out of it. I've seen it destroy people's lives. Uh, if you're a Christian and you drink and you're around another Christian who came from an alcoholic past and they see you drinking, you're opening up the door for your brother to fall into sin. That's what Paul says. That, come on, I'm preaching so good right now. Yeah, I know some of y'all don't like this because you're convicted, but that ain't my fault. That's your fault. Um, and I'll say this. Just because something isn't sin doesn't mean it's smart. Paul says it like this. He says, everything's lawful for me, but not everything's beneficial. And I'm just going to leave it at that. That's between you and the Lord. I, you know, and 
But I'm just, you know, I'm the pastor, so sometimes I get to say things that I want to say, even if it's not part of the sermon. <laughs> All right. You guys good? And if you disagree with that, listen, we ain't going to fight over it. I don't care. Uh, you do you, I'm going to do me, and, and my, crown, my, my crown will have more jewels in it than yours. That's just all there is to it. <laughs> the Bible is very clear, though, that if you cause your brother to sin, that's a big deal. So be careful. All right. If the evidence of intoxication is that it changes the way you think, the way you talk, the way you walk, and the way you act then according to Paul, the evidence or the, the fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit, come on, this is just logical, it should change the way you think, the way you talk, the way you walk, and the way you act, right? So real quick, four thoughts for you this morning. Being filled, number one, being filled with the Holy Spirit changes the way you think. Being filled with the Holy Spirit changes the way you think. What you are full of, I laugh because I can just, you're full of it. That's what comes to my mind when I say that. What you are full of determines how you think. So if you are full of alcohol, it will distort your thinking. But, but we can take that some steps further because, again, the, the crux of this in Ephesians chapter 5 isn't really about alcohol, right? So, so, like, let's go a step further. If you are full of anger... It will distort the way you think. If you are full of shame, it will distort the way you think. If you are full of regret, it will distort the way you think. If you are full of lust, it will distort the way you think, right? But if you are full of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have been given the mind of Christ. So you have access to an insider's view of God's will, God's plan, and God's purposes. Well, that's a big deal, right? You, you begin, because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to see things from God's perspective. You begin to adopt His values, loving what He loves and hating what He hates. And don't get me wrong here. Don't mishear me. God does hate some stuff. God hates some things. He doesn't hate people, but He hates some of the things that people do, and He hates some of the things that have been done to people. When you are given the mind of Christ, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and your thinking begins to change, you grow every day in your understanding of His holiness, His goodness. And likewise, you grow in your understanding of how desperately you need His grace and His mercy. And you begin to realize that even the good things about you, they're not a product of your goodness. They're a product of His goodness. Because God has been good to you. Because God has been gracious to you. Which promotes a heart of gratitude and thankfulness towards your Father. And it means that we then take on Jesus' attitude of humility, servanthood, selflessness that chooses to put others before self. Because we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to stop right there. Just, this just occurred to me. We all have a measure of the Holy Spirit. But I really believe from my reading and setting of Scripture that there is a difference between having received the Holy Spirit, which draws us to salvation, and being filled with the Spirit. Okay? You good? So, so being filled with the Holy Spirit changes the way I think. Being filled with the Holy Spirit changes the way I talk, changes the way you talk. When you're, when you're full of alcohol, listen, if you haven't been drunk, you've probably been around somebody at some point who has or you've seen someone on TV. When, 
when my kids were younger, we would watch Andy Griffith together a lot. Come on, can I get a witness in the house today? And on one episode, and Olivia was probably three or four years old at the time, and one, uh, Chris is laughing because she knows the story I'm about to tell. In one episode, uh, Otis walks in. And if you don't know who Otis is, he's the town drunk in Mayberry, right? <clears throat> he's always brewing up some moonshine somewhere in the hills of North Carolina. And Otis walks in to the jail, and he's got to get rid of his moonshine, so he pours it in the water cooler. And guess who walks by and starts getting something to drink out of the water cooler? None other than Barney Fife, right? And Barney begins to drink that water. He's so thirsty. And, and then he starts acting a little weird, right? He starts, he starts talking a little strange. And he starts walking a little strange. And Olivia looks at me and she says, Daddy, I don't know what Otis put in that water cooler, but it's making Barney act really funny right now. <laughs> and I said, we'll just leave it at that, okay? But when you are full of alcohol, your speech will reflect it. Hey, but come on, we can take this even further, right? When you're full of anger. Listen, there are, there's a lot of angry Christians right now, okay? Angry at the government, angry at, at their neighbor, angry at someone with a Democrat sticker on the back of their car. Come on. Come on, angry at the Florida Gators right now. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I told you bring your gun today if you're going to come wearing that shirt. And when, that, when you are filled with anger, it... it, it it distorts your thinking. Thinking when you're filled with unforgiveness. Oh, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they did to you, but I know what Jesus on the cross did for you and he did for them. When you're filled with pride, your speech will reflect it. But when you are filled with the Spirit, your speech will also reflect it then. The way you talk to and, hear me, the way you talk about people begins to change. Yeah, those, those conversations you've been having, those text messages you've been sharing, when, you've, when you're talking to somebody but you're using somebody else's name, let me tell you something right now. The Holy Spirit's not okay with that. You want the, you want to be, you want the Holy Spirit to rest on your life? We're going to talk about this in just a second. You be mindful of how you talk about the people that Jesus died for. Okay. When you're filled with the Spirit, your speech reflects it. The people that you would formally criticize, you begin to encourage. The people that you would normally gossip about, you begin to defend and pray for. And I don't mean pray for like, oh, I got a prayer request. It's a juicy one. No, no, no. I mean you actually pray for them. Where you would have formally complained, you begin to praise. And you begin to worship. And here's where Paul says, go back to Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be angry and do not sin. Come on, I love that. I can get angry easy. Not sinning when I'm angry is the hard part, right? He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, you need to get it resolved. That doesn't mean keep your wife up all night till y'all figure it out. <laughs> or your husband up all night till you figure it out. <laughs> he says, and give no opportunity to the devil. In other words, what he's saying is like all these things are, are footholds for the devil to step in. And he, you know, you ever hold a door open and you just do it with your foot? When you allow anger to control you and the rest of these things that we're about to read, when you allow yourself to be filled with him, that's like holding that door open, allowing the devil to hold that door open. He may only have a toe in, but if you continue down this road, he's going to get an elbow in and he's going to get a shoulder in. And before you know it, you will be filled with something that you did not see coming, my friend. He says, he says, don't uh, give, the, uh, do, give the devil no opportunity. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. In other words, stop, stop depending on everybody else to take care of you and go to work, son. Yeah. Right? Get a job. 
Do something for yourself. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Let him get a job. Do an honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only. Everybody say, but only. You know what that means? That means only. Such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve, because he can be grieved. The Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Listen, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, He changes the way you think, He changes the way you talk. And number three, being filled with the Holy Spirit changes the way you walk. When you're full of alcohol, Walking the way you normally walk gets impossible. When I was in high school, the sheriff uh, and the whole, like, several people from the sheriff's department came to our school. We had an assembly on the football field, and there was cones out there and golf carts in the football field. And I was excited. I was, this is way better than calculus. And they were giving, they were putting these goggles on us. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? The drunk goggles, right? And we'd get in these golf carts, and with these drunk goggles, we'd have to drive through this obstacle course uh, on the field. And to be real with you, I figured I had a lot of experience with that, so I didn't think it would be that hard. <laughs> it was a little tougher than I imagined, though. I knocked several cones over. But when you were full of, when you were full of alcohol, y- you will not normally be able to do the things that you would normally be able to do. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, though, let me tell you this, walk in the way that you would have walked you, formerly, in your own power, in your flesh, in your own way, it becomes impossible as well. The Holy Spirit makes you sober-minded. And that's not necessarily a reference to alcohol or not. What that means, it, it, he helps you to see clearly. Because so many times our thinking is clouded by emotions that... That, that are good in the right context, but when they cloud our thinking, they, they distort what we're seeing. They make us think things that aren't real about people. You ever, you ever text somebody and, and, and they don't respond for two days? And you're thinking, I've, they hate me. They've whatever. And then, you, you, you know, your mind begins to just have this tailspin of thoughts about what have you done? What have you said? What did they hear? You know, you were talking to so-and-so about them. Did they tell them what you said about them? <laughs> Only for them to get back from the hike that they were on where they had no cell phone reception and text you like, hey, sorry I missed you three days later. Right? right? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit helps you to be sober-minded to think clearly. He leads your steps. Now, we're not talking about the physical steps here, but how many of you want to live in God's will for your life? Yeah, you know the best way to do that is to stop asking God, God, what's your will for my life? And instead to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then do whatever he puts in front of you. That's the best way to live in God's will for your life. Uh, He'll take you places you never thought you'd go. He will, he, um, things that used to appeal to you will start to lose their taste. Because now you have an appetite for the things of God like you've never had before. Because you were filled with the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Holy Spirit changes the way you think. It changes the way you talk. It changes the way you walk. And lastly, being filled, number four, with the Holy Spirit changes the way you act. 
changes the way you act. When someone, I, I hope this is okay talking about this. It's funny, but it's true. When someone gets drunk, how many of you know? Their behavior changes, right? You know, there's a guy, he's five foot one, 110 pounds, all of a sudden thinks that he can beat up Max, right? <laughs> you think you could take him? <laughs> what? He's small and scrappy, you don't know, right? I don't know. Depends on how much he's had, right? It, probably, it wouldn't take much, never mind. You know, a, a guy who is normally nice and friendly becomes angry and, and, and bitter, right? Uh, a happily married man, listen, you know I'm telling the truth, a happily married woman starts getting flirty with everybody with a face, right? Um, a, a happy person who's typically someone typically joy-filled, they begin to get sad and sappy, right? They start, their behavior changes because of what they're filled with. But when you get filled with God's Holy Spirit, I mean, when you get filled, your behavior changes. And instead of picking fights with Max, you start picking fights with the devil, right? You, know, that, it, you, you begin to have a, a, a confidence about you that's not rooted in who you are, but rooted in the one who lives in you and who desires to live through you. You'll quit some stuff. Anybody, anybody ever been there? And I, I don't even just mean sin stuff, but I just mean anything that grieves the spirit. Things that, you know, Don was talking Wednesday about country music. I don't know what you got against George Strait, but... <laughs> no, he was talking about when he listens to country music. It's, I hope it's okay to say this. It took him back to a place that he knows he doesn't need to be mentally, right? Can I just tell you the night that I got saved? Now, listen, my sanctification process was a long time in the making. And 20-something years later, it's still getting made, right? But that night, is after I became a Christian, I got in my truck, I turned it on, and and, and my music started to play, and I've told this many times, so forgive me for the repetition. And I knew immediately, hmm, this does not agree with what God has just done in me. Dr. Dre and Dr. Jesus don't seem to have a lot in common <laughs> right now. And so, so I, 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 didn't, I wasn't even in a youth group. I went home and took my CD binder and started busting every one of them I had and threw them away. And even to this day, now listen, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to put this on you, so you, you just, this isn't about you, this is about me right here. I don't listen to secular music to this day, at least not in any great content. My wife can testify to it, like, you get in my truck, I'm listening to Air One, uh, a Spotify playlist, or a podcast, or a book. That's all I listen to. People come up to me today, and they're like, hey, do you listen to that new song by Taylor Swift? I couldn't tell you Taylor Swift's song if I heard it right now. Like, I don't, I don't know. I know who she is. I see her in commercials. That's all I know. And the reason why I don't, I don't listen to it is because I love music. And, and, and it gets stuck in my head. And if, there, if there's going to be anything living inside my brain, living inside my mind, I want it to give glory to the Lord. That's my conviction. That's, that's what, it's not sin, but immediately it was the very first thing in my life. I'm talking about, listen, I live less than a quarter of a mile away from the church I got saved in. By the time I got to the house, I knew this stuff ain't for me anymore. you get filled, you'll quit some stuff, but you'll also start some stuff. You'll get hungry for his presence. You'll get hungry for his word. Listen, you get, you get good and filled with the Holy Spirit. Waking up to come to the early service doesn't seem like such a chore anymore. Come on, y'all start getting here on time. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. It won't, you'll, you'll be here 25 minutes before church starts instead of 25 minutes after church starts, right? 
The altar better be full today. I'm just saying. I hope y'all know I'm having fun right now. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just, I'm just having fun with it. You'll start getting hungry for His Word. You'll get hungry for His presence. You'll get, you'll, you'll look forward to worship. Listen, sharing your faith. Because remember, what was the primary purpose of Jesus sending the Spirit according to what He said in Acts? So that you would have power to be my witnesses. And so suddenly, when you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing your faith, it goes from being intimidating to joyful. It goes from being... Now listen, I'm not telling you you won't feel that tinge of insecurity when you start having that conversation. But as you begin to talk, you realize that there's something living inside of you that's doing the real work right here. And that is the ministry. That is the power. That is the person of the Holy Spirit talking through you. Now, yeah, it's your mouth talking. It's your words talking. But you'll start to share your faith. And listen, you'll still mess up. Come on. Anybody know that? You'll get filled. You'll still mess up. You'll still drop the ball. You'll still trip up. And when you do, you'll feel it. And you'll know, hmm, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. Should, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have taken part in that. And, and it's not condemnation. It's conviction. And, and conviction isn't a sign of God's anger. It's a sign of God's love. Come on, a conviction isn't a sign of his anger at you. It's his sign of his love for you. He said, and I'm Shekai, you're just sitting right there. But, but, you know, when we drop that ball, he says, hey, Shekai, hey, I know you love me. And I know that you want your life to be fully surrendered to me. But there's this thing that just happened. And I'm just not okay with that. I'm just letting you know. And then what you do is you take that repentant heart and you say, God, I'm so sorry. That thing came out of my mouth. That thought came in my brain. Whatever it was just happened. Lord, I please forgive me. I repent. Lord, please, please forgive me. And the blood of Jesus is sufficient. Amen. Come on, when you get filled, when you get filled, it changes everything. You guys good? All right. But here's the tragedy. There is, this is tough. And this is, this is a huge problem, specifically in the church in America, because the church, especially in countries where Christians are persecuted or where poverty is rampant, they don't seem to have this problem as much because they depend on God for everything. But we don't have to because we have Advil and microwaves, and I don't even, I'm just trying to think of crazy stuff. Two most important things in my life right there, besides my wife and kids, huh? The tragedy for too many believers today is that God says be filled but so many of us are just content with the sip God doesn't want you to be a sipping saint God's looking for empty vessels so he can fill you with himself anybody Anybody got $5, a $5 bill? Anybody? I know a lot of people don't have cash. Anybody got a $5 bill? Come on. You got, you got, here, how much you got? I saw some ones. $3, that's even better. Hey, you got a, wait, I need a credit card. I know I need a credit card now. I got three bucks. Thank you, though. Give, give me that. What's the pin number? Don't tell me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Hey, it's been great having you at Lifehouse today. No, 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 no. This is great. How many of you? You remember going to the gas? Some of y'all doing this today too, sorry. 
you go to the gas station and you can't swipe the card. You, you have to go inside. I mean, good Lord, who has to do, who's got time for that anymore, right? You have to go inside and you're, you're getting the change, you know, in between the seats, right? You're looking under, you're looking, you're looking all around. You've been hearing a rattle and you know there's a quarter somewhere in there. You just can't find it. And you walk into the cashier and you say, here, I got three bucks. You know, I don't even, I won't buy you a gallon of gas right now, will it? Oh my gosh, JT, you're struggling. I remember when $3 would buy me three and a half gallons of gas, right? Anyway, here. Now, you go out to the pump and like you barely get the trigger pulled and it, right? And you're done. Now, now, now JT does this. He's got some, but he's got a, he ain't got a lot, right? But a lot of us, we're, we, we act like this is all we have. And so that's all we can get. But Jesus, he came to earth and he swiped a card and he said, fill it up. Come on. He said, you just let it run. And the only thing that limits your ability to receive all that God wants to give you is not, is not the bill. It's not your funds. Because Jesus is the one. With, what's the limit? On, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Jesus, this is a debit card. I don't know. Jesus, there ain't no limit on his card, right? He swiped it and he said, you can get as much as, much as you want. The only thing that limits your ability to receive all that he has for you is the capacity that you are willing to create to receive all that he has for you. And many of us, thank you, JT. Thank you, Brady. Many of us, we're walking around and we're saying, God, fill us. God, we want to receive. And God says, okay, I'm ready. I've done swiped a card. I'll give you all you want. And he looks at our lives, but we're full up to here on worldly junk, right? Come on, desires that don't lead anywhere good. Things that we think are good, but God says, oh, it may be good, but it's not God. It's not, it may be good, but it's not my best. It's not all I have for you. And so today, I want to encourage you, church. We're not just asking the Lord to fill us with His Spirit, but we would also say, God, listen, there might be some things in my life that I have filled up on. Some anger, some bitterness, some unforgiveness, some, some, some desires that do not align with your heart. Lord, they may not be sin, but that doesn't mean they're smart. Lord, empty me. God, take, take this stuff. Take, this, take these feelings. Take these thoughts. Take this unforgiveness, Lord. I repent. And God, as you begin to empty me, that you would fill me with all that you have for me. Because God's not looking for sipping saints. He's looking for men and women who say, God... Everything that you have for me, I want it all. If that's your prayer, if that's your heart, would you stand with me this morning? Awesome. Here's what I want you to do. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have an altar call this morning. We got a little bit of time. Today, your prayer, if, you're, if your heart is that God would fill you, not just give you a drop, but 
God would fill you with his spirit, that whatever's in you, that he would help you to see it and to empty yourself of it so that there would be capacity to receive all that he has. If that's your prayer, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and gather around, and we're going to pray together, we're going to receive together. But here's what I, I, I don't normally do. This. I want to give you some instructions. I want to, so a lot of times what I see when people come to the altar, they just come to the altar like this. And I'm not making fun. I'm not saying, because I know you don't know what to do because we didn't tell you. Or, or, I mean, in the best case scenario, a lot of times people come to the altar just like this. And their mouth is shut. They're not, they're not seeking the Lord. I want to encourage you as you come to the altar today that you would come to him with a posture to receive and that you See, I, I can't pray the prayer that gets you filled. You need to hear that. Nobody in this room can pray the prayer that gets you what God wants to have for you. You've got to pray it. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to declare His goodness. And you've got to be the one who asks, Lord, God, I might be full of some junk today. Lord, that you would empty me. And that you, through the power of your Spirit, would fill me with all that you have for me. Like, you've got to pray these prayers. You've got to say these words. Just walk into the altars. Great. That's good. That's a great first step. But it can't end there. You can't wait for somebody to come lay hands on you. You can't wait for someone to come stand behind you and put their hand on your shoulder. You've got to go after him. You've got to make up your mind. Lord, everything you've got for me, I want it. And you've got to talk to him. You've got to praise him. You've got to worship him. You've got to pray for yourself. And some of us today, and I say this with nothing but love, you've got to repent. You got sin in your life. You got things in your life that, 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 that God is saying, listen, I want so much more for you than this that you've been holding on to. And so today, in just a moment as you come, that you would say, Lord, I repent. God, there's probably, here's the thing, there's probably sin in you that you don't even know exists yet. The psalmist says, reveal to me if there's any anxious way in my heart. So maybe you would even pray, Lord, there's sin in my life. I know it. Would you reveal it to me so I can properly repent and turn from it? To repent just basically means I'm turning away from this and I'm turning to God. So if that's your prayer, if that's your heart, if that's your desire, I want to invite you now to come around this altar. Just stand all across the front.